Lord, open my lips that my mouth may proclaim your praise. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Science tells us that the molecules of our bodies are composed of atoms of carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, and nitrogen with small amounts of other elements. While the hydrogen atoms come from the early universe, the carbon, oxygen, and nitrogen all come from the stars. A star is a thermonuclear furnace in which hydrogen is converted into helium. When the hydrogen is exhausted, further nuclear reactions can convert helium into heavier elements, including carbon, nitrogen, and oxygen, from which we are made. Every atom of all the elements found naturally on Earth, apart from the primordial hydrogen, has its origin in a star. Each carbon atom in the blood flowing through our veins and in the neurons firing in our brains comes from a star. We are made from stardust. Those of you who can uh, remember back that far to the 60s or the 70s will remember a song about that. I think that was right around the time when they were discovering um, the elements in human beings and indeed in the earth. We are made from stardust. A carbon atom in a cell of a human brain has a pedigree that extends back before the birth of the solar system. Atoms now gathered in a single strand of human DNA would, billions of years ago, have been widely dispersed in different stars spread around the galaxy or in interstellar space. The raw materials from which the first living molecules were assembled on Earth were brought down to the surface of the Earth in tiny grains of interplanetary material preserved in the frozen hearts of comets from the interstellar debris of the giant molecular cloud from which the solar system formed. And God says in his word, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless and void, hydrogen. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God separated the light from the darkness, and God said, let there be the lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The Lord made us 
from the dust of the earth and breathed his life into us. And today we remember that we were made from dust and to dust we return. All things come from God and yet although these bodies go to dust, we do not. We continue in the eternal life that has been given to us in Jesus Christ. See, the first Christians, you'll hear this in a little bit as we enter into the exhortation and the invitation to a holy Lent. They observed with great devotion the days of our Lord's passion and resurrection. And it became the custom of the church to prepare for them by a season of penitence and fasting. This is our invitation into a season that looks forward to the passion of our Lord, to our Holy Week observances, to Maundy Thursday, to his death on a cross on Good Friday, to the waiting through until the bursting sunrise of Easter morning. And we prepare for that during this 40 days, a time to slow down. And we're invited to the observance of a holy Lent, a slowing down time, taking an inventory of ourselves to see the reality of our situation, our complete and utter inability to rescue ourselves, indeed to do anything for ourselves. We are made of dust. God made us from dust. Didn't have to, but he loved to make us, to form us, to breathe his own life into us. We're made in his image. We're God-breathed into existence. It's a time to remember that these sinews and this skin and this brain and this heart and these lungs and everything is just gift. We exist Because God wanted us to exist. Because we're formed in love. Look around, there's no one alike. Look around the whole world. How amazing is that? That we're formed of dust and breathed into by God himself. And we're all absolutely unique. Because he designed us that way. And we walk around and we think, well, you know, we've got it all together and we're ourselves and we've got our being and, you know, I can think. But it's all gift. It's us. It's all gift. If we make one and two make, one and one make two, that's a gift. 
all of the synapses in the brain, everything is just gift. And during Lent, we get to kind of pull all of those things that make us forget that away. Let's go back to the knowledge that it's God who first created us. And God who brought us out of the exile that we found ourselves in when Adam and Eve sinned because of pride. And we were outside of the garden and outside of God's presence. But he himself brought us back. We did nothing. We did nothing for our creation. We did nothing for our redemption. It's just gift. And this is the time that we get to remember that. To remember that it's all God's first work. That he goes ahead of us. And what that does is, it opens wider the window onto his love. Because if we can't do anything, why did he do it? Because of love. So this 40 days are about peeling back our own selves, looking and seeing the one who loves in all of the depths that we possibly can. And, and we're invited to do that by self-examination and repentance. The, the early church, early Christians, um, and, and through the Middle Ages, had an examine of conscience. At the end of the day, there were things to ask ourselves either in light of the Ten Commandments or in light of uh, the virtues that we had not followed or the vices or the sins that we had fallen into um, or the Lord's Prayer. Take any of those or the gifts of the Spirit. How were they revealed in your life today? And at the end of the day, go through that inventory and say, I can't do this in myself. It's only thank you, God, by the gift of your Holy Spirit that we get to be transformed. Repentance, to turn away from those things that we now recognize uh, we're going in the wrong direction. We're following other things. And that's what repentance is. It's turning away and there's this wonderful sacrament of the church called the reconciliation of a penitent or what used to be called uh, confession. We say confession here, a corporate confession, but this is a particularly apt season to make appointments with the clergy for a private confession for the absolution that uh, God gives through the church on those sins that um, just kind of seem to hang around or even the shame of the guilt of those sins seem to hang around even after confession. Um, call or email, make an appointment. It's an amazingly freeing sacrament. By prayer, 
by fasting and self-denial. We're to spend more time in conversation with God, the church exhorts us. We're to place all of our cares on him. We're to listen to his voice. That's the class that Joy Sutton is going to be starting Christian formation during this Lenten season um, on Sunday mornings. And there's a prayer at the back there. I have a friend up in Wisconsin who... um, Her mother and father have been missionaries in ages um, for decades. And she emailed me this week and sent uh, uh, these prayers that her mom had put together, praying for revival, revival of our spirits, revival of the church, revival in our communities, in the world. I've got some copies at the back there. I encourage you to pick one up and take it back with you. I know you've probably seen there are any number of resources that can be used for this time, this season of Lent, to help with your prayer life. Take advantage of them. Dig in deeper. Maybe spend another 10, 15 minutes, half an hour in prayer time with God. What will happen is instead of an obligation, you will find joy. You will find that the Lord just opens up your heart to the love that he has for you. By fasting, the witness of scripture in our Lord himself is that fasting aids our prayer life, aids our spiritual lives, aids our ability to hear and to know the presence of God. And apparently, again in science, it's good for us. Do you know that they're now finding out that fasting reboots our immune system? Isn't that amazing of God that something that helps us spiritually also helps us physically? It cleans us all out. It reboots the system again. It's it's not to be us going around with long faces. The Lord says this is the, the through Isaiah. Is not this the fast that I choose? to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? That's the fast. Self-denial. Prayer, fasting, self-denial. Self-denial is giving up something. If you didn't make it with your New Year resolution, don't reboot it for Lent. That's not what self-denial is about. If you gave up chocolate for New Year's and you're going to do it again for Lent, find something else. Because self-denial is about following along the path of the Lord. It's not that, so that we can feel, you know, that, oh, well, I'll do that because it'll be a help for my waistline at the same time. 
No, it's to draw us closer into the self-denial of Jesus himself, who though he was God, did not count equality to God, with God as something to be grasped, but gave himself up, emptied himself out, made himself a servant, left glory and a throne to come and live amongst us. That's ultimate self-denial. And we're just called into a small amount of self-denial. But it also opens up for us a window onto those things that hold us too tightly. Is there something that, I don't think I can really let go of that. It's become an idol. It's really to open up our hearts to those things that draw us away from God. They reveal the idolatries in our lives, self-denial. And it allows us to strip away all the distractions, all the obstacles that keep us from sweet communion with the only one who can feed us and renew us. Fasting and self-denial provide for an increased focus on God and others and a decreased focus on ourselves and our personal comfort. Reading and meditating on God's word. That's another part of the invitation to a holy Lent. We're to carve out for ourselves more time to spend in God's love letter. And I encourage you to do that in community. Because when other people share how the word has come alive in their lives and there's something new every time because it's a living word, then you are enlightened and encouraged and you are closer into the heart of God. Over and over again, I hear that that happens in our Tuesday evening and Wednesday evening groups. If you haven't done it yet, do it. Go and just be with them. There's a potluck on Tuesday Go and see who they are. It crosses the gambit from people who are knowledgeable about the scriptures and who are still trying to figure out that there's an Old and a New Testament. It's okay, I was there in my 30s. I mean, really, there are two of those? It's okay. Those are the places to grow in the Lord, reading and meditating on God's word. But however you decide to follow the exhortation to a holy Lent, know that through it all, God desires to deepen your spiritual journey and bring you closer to his heart. So that on Easter morning, you will have never experienced an Easter like it. Because if you do the work during Lent, Easter comes with such joy that it cannot be contained. 
because bursting out of the tomb is the one who loves you. I'm going to close with this prayer. Gracious God, today begins a period of inner reflection and examination. The days stretch before us and invite us inward to that silent, holy space that holds your spirit. This special time beckons us to see our lives through Christ's eyes and the truth and reality of your love incarnate. Give us the grace to enter the space of these days with anticipation of our meeting. And when we open our souls to your presence, let your loving kindness flow over us and seep into the pockets of our heart. We ask this for the sake of your love. Amen.